Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, we made it to Friday. That's an accomplishment all in itself. And we have two good martinis for you. I think we have more good martinis than anything else this week. So that is also an accomplishment, which is good because the president is promising us a winter of death and severe illness. So Merry Christmas to you, Jim. How are you today? You know, I'm starting to say I, I kind of I've, now we used to complain about it, but I, I kind of miss the happy holidays. <laughs> yeah, it was generic. It was part of the you know war on Christmas. But now that we're supposed to greet each other with you will die. <laughs> that's, that's a little grim, a little dark. <laughs> oh, man, he knows how to strike the tone. Uh, amazing. <laughs> Just amazing. Well, before we get into this uh, good news, first on the Senate side, Jim, let's talk about some other good news. And that's that uh, if you get in investing in silver and gold, your investment's likely to grow, especially if you look at where silver and gold have been over the past couple of decades. Silver increasing 340% since the year 2000, and it continues trending higher. But if you're going to investigate investing in gold and silver, and now might be a really good time to do it, you want to check out Universal Coin and Bullion. Universal Coin and Bullion is offering our listeners a special locked-in price of just $30 for a beautiful one-ounce 2021 American Silver Eagle coin, the most popular coin in the world for collectors and investors. This limited offer is available at dealer's cost because Universal Coin wants you to own the first newly designed silver bullion coin since President Reagan signed the Gold Bullion Act in 1985. Call Universal Coin, the leaders in the precious metals industry, at 1-800-UCB-GOLD to get your beautiful U.S. Mint silver coin for only $30. Postage is free, and you can rest assured you're dealing with the experts. In fact, the company's president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, no one better to guide you through this process than him and his team. Dr. Fulgens is recognized as America's gold expert. He's the 2021 Coin Dealer of the Year. They also have rare gold coins, but this special silver deal is only available using the code MARTINI. So call 800-UCB-GOLD. That's 800-UCB-GOLD. All right, let's get to that first good martini. And, of course, the uh, good news is bad news for Joe Biden and his legislative agenda. Look, we already knew the uh, the Build Back Better bill is on ice because negotiations with Joe Manchin are going nowhere. Uh, the trial balloon on changing the filibuster rules just for the voting bill, not going anywhere with Kirsten Cinema. So can we get a strike three on the uh, Build Back Better bill for the week? Yes. And a strike three on their efforts to slam amnesty into this thing if they can ever get it passed. Uh, fantastic news here. The Senate parliamentarian Elizabeth McDonough once again rejecting the Democratic effort to put immigration reform in their uh, social spending bill, the reconciliation bill. Uh, once again, ruling that the provision would create a new class of about six and a half million eligible individuals, quote, nearly the same number of people as the previous two plans, which is the polite way of saying, how many times do I have to tell you you can't do this? And so uh, this is leading to more fun because now immigration advocates are, on the one hand, urging the senators to just overrule the parliamentarian, which would be really, really fun. And then on the flip side, uh, you've got um, you know immigration activists upset with the Democrats that they can't get it done. So, Jim, I mean, our, our, our Christmas presents just overflow right now when it comes to what's happening on Capitol Hill. You know, I periodically wonder if the progressive activists have looked at the U.S. Senate. Have they done a head count? Have they noticed that it's 50-50? <laughs> it's very tough to pass things when it's 50-50 if you don't do any outreach to the other side of the aisle. 
And let's observe that, you know, persuading the Susan Collinses of the world and Lisa Murkowski of the world is not the uh, hardest thing in the whole wide world for Democrats, at least in the past. Uh, but yeah, you know what, you know, a de facto amnesty for millions upon millions of illegal immigrants, that's going to be a tough sell. There are a lot of people in this country who believe that immigration laws should be enforced. Apparently not a lot of Democrats, <laughs> but they exist and they do, they, you know, just enough that it's going to be tough to get that. And so if you want to get this passed as through legislation, you have to overcome the filibuster. Now, you and I have talked on this podcast a whole bunch of times. If you're going to have the filibuster, you might as well have, you're going to have it for everything. I know there was this recent effort to say, well, we're going to not have it in place for legislation involving voting reform. Like, you know, they did. Well, once you start creating this exception for the filibuster for legislation and that exception, eventually the other side's just going to, you know, blow it up entirely and we'll just turn into the Senate will turn into the House. If you got 50 votes and the vice president split the tie in your, in your direction, then you get to pass whatever you want. Not what the founders intended for the Senate, but most of the people, most progressives don't give a hoot about what the founders intended. Their entire philosophy of government is, I want it, so I should get it. <laughs> that is their constitutional principle. That is their fundamental belief of how government should operate. It's like Santa Claus and your wish list. If you wish it, government should give it to you, regardless of consequences, regardless of the process, regardless of how the Constitution laid out, checks and balances and things like that. Um, the you know lament that the part like if you're going to have you know this idea of well, okay you have an exception to the the filibuster you can do it as reconciliation but reconciliation it can only be for spending and, and tax and fiscal issues it's the only way you're allowed to do this it's got to be budget stuff it can't just be anything willy-nilly gets thrown in there well amnesty i'm sorry it's not a fiscal or budgetary matter it is an actual changing of the law and you know three times they've gone to the parliamentarian three times the parliamentarian has said nope sorry now, notice no one's saying the parliamentarian has ruled incorrectly or that there is a more plausible argument that chain, offering a form of amnesty is, you know, it's, it's really just a fiscal matter. It's entirely a, a budgetary. No, no one makes that argument because there is no way to make that argument. The argument is the parliamentarian must be replaced because, by golly, we want this. And she has told us no. And she must be punished for telling us no. It is the tantrum of a child. And because they're not getting their way, it's delightful. If they actually manage to get their way, then this is where it quickly turns into a bad martini, Greg. Oh, definitely. Here's the thing, though. I mean, we give credit, and we should, to Manchin and Cinema. It's never easy standing up to your party, especially when they need both of you to do what they want to do. So they deserve credit for their courage here. But basically, we have 48 Senate Democrats who are willing to go along with something like this. We haven't seen it specifically on the uh, on the parliamentarian override, but in terms of the filibuster, you just had a bunch of them on the floor last night. Maggie Hassan was the one that showed up on my Twitter feed arguing that you got to change the filibuster rule, at least for the voting bill. you just got to. We have to get this done. Uh, and the same thing goes for most of them, if not all of those 48, on the filibuster itself. And so... Uh, Yes, credit to the two who are sane, at least on this particular issue. Uh, but you literally have 96% of the Democratic caucus in the U.S. Senate just ready to implode everything just to get what they want. They have no idea how the, uh, the process works and why it works the way it does. It's just incredible. So, Jim, we're at the holidays. Uh, some of us will travel, some of us will not, but uh, hopefully we're getting together with loved ones for uh, Christmas and New Year's and and uh, perhaps times in between. And there's going to be food around, lots of food. You want yourself, your spouse, your family members, whoever's going to be making that food to have the best tools possible. And when it comes to all those delectable delights over the holidays and really all the good food all year long, you want made-in cookware. If quality and craftsmanship is important to you, check out Made In. 
Made In produces professional quality cookware for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Made In products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from the stovetop to the oven. They have more than 40,000 five-star reviews. You do the math on that, that's more than 200,000 stars. And their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants all around the world. Made in is better cookware for better meals. Yeah, using it on the stovetop and being able to put it in the oven, especially with the uh, stainless steel skillet that we have, uh, that's way beyond my culinary skills. Mrs. Corumbus does it all the time, and every time she does it, it turns out fantastic. She loves that stainless steel skillet from Made In, absolutely. And right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with the promo code MARTINI. It's the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products, so don't miss it. Go to madeincookware.com slash martini and use the promo code martini for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash martini and use the promo code martini. All right, Jim, we are still a long way away from Election Day 2022. It's about 10 and a half months away now, but uh, time is ticking and the Democrats are worried, particularly in the House. Um, the map is a little bit more favorable to them in the Senate, although given where the momentum in the generic ballot is right now, nothing's really safe for them in any remotely competitive state. But uh, Republicans are probably favored to win back the House at this point, and we'll see how that looks once all the uh, redistricting is done. But there's a uh, fight going on among House Democrats, which is always fun, and it relates to their re-election efforts because the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is the organization charged with getting Democrats elected to the House of Representatives. And each cycle, uh, one of their members is the chairman, and this time it's Sean Patrick Maloney of New York. And uh, he is not very popular with certain members of his caucus right now because he's trying to have this monolithic approach to House elections, which is kind of staggering for anyone who's been around for a while. All districts are not created equal in what messages work, and that's the first area that, that uh, there's frustration. Uh, botched messaging. Apparently, uh, the DCCC is still encouraging folks to make Donald Trump the boogeyman in every single race because, you know, that works so well for Terry McAuliffe. And uh, so there are people in, you know, swing districts or districts that maybe even Trump carried in 2020 saying, you know, that's probably not going to be my best strategy. Uh, he's also berating people, regardless of uh, the makeup of their district, for not supporting big items on the Democratic agenda, whether it's the the reconciliation bill, the the budget blowout bill or, or infrastructure or anything like that. And then they're just uh, frustrated because they don't think he's a very good leader. And they're already worried that a difficult cycle is going to get only worse with him at the helm. So, Jim, I mean, we've had a lot of popcorn on the Senate side. We might as well pop some for the House side, too. Yeah, by itself, it's not enor it's not enormously shocking to have, uh, you know, one or two members of the House uh, caucus that are in a particularly, you know, swing district or a district with kind of unusual demographics or something saying, look, what, what, the, what the National Party Committee is urging me to do just isn't going to work in my district. And I just can't do that. It's, it's, you kind of, it's kind of the phenomenon you see between Joe Manchin and National Democrats. The, the types of people voting in, in West Virginia are very different from the kind of folks who are voting in California or New York, Illinois or something like that. That's why he's like, look, all the stuff you tell me to do, I can't do because it's just not going to say people in my district, don't, my, my state don't want that. You see that same dynamic in a couple of these districts. 
Rachel Bade of Politico, who wrote about this. It's a great article. I congratulate her for the scoop. Then she went up to Twitter with what she called two tidbits that didn't make the playbook newsletter due to space. I kind of feel like she might have buried the lead here. One was a, the issue is so bad that several at-risk Democrats told me they are planning to ignore the DCCC's advice on messaging and polling entirely on this cycle, viewing them as out of touch. Now, the other thing is like, you know, not taking their advice on messaging. Okay, hopefully you know your district best. You know your constituents. You know which messages are going to resonate with them and which ones aren't. And if they're saying you, yeah, go after Trump and Trump either won your district or did pretty well or, you know, this kind of message. Like if you, or maybe you just feel like, you know, your district's moved on from Trump and isn't spending a lot of time thinking about it. They're really worried about inflation or the border or something like that. Maybe you got a lot of veterans in Afghanistan. You know, Afghanistan was a big issue to them. You know, you know your district better. Issues is one thing. Polling kind of says, I don't even trust how your ability to measure the electorate. I don't even think you guys know how to get a sense of what's on people's minds and what people are worried about. And that suggests that the DCCC, like, it's not just they're kind of vaguely out of touch or doing a cookie cutter approach. It means they don't even know how to, you know, they, they're, they're kind of talking to themselves. This is all being driven by the Twitter left. And the second bit, which is like really kind of, you know, just you can just see me licking my lips and getting out the putting the putting the napkin in the uh, in the shirt collar to eat dine because this looks delicious. One frontliner even called this setup authoritarian. Now, to be perfectly honest, Vladimir Putin is authoritarian. Communist China is authoritarian. The DCCC's decision making, it's not that authoritarian. But that being said, the DCCC, this person has said the DCCC is, quote, has basically silenced the most vulnerable members of our party because they're afraid they can't risk the money that uh, Sean Patrick Maloney has to offer. And that's kind of, um, that's really kind of fascinating to see that the, the, the breakdown in relationship has become that strong, that bitter, that distrusting. Uh, is really kind of striking. I guess the thing is that the person who's running the DCCC really should have one goal in life. And if you're if you're the you know, if you're running the majority of your if, if your party's in the majority, protecting that majority. That's got to be job one. Even if you end up irking certain interest groups or progressive activists or that, your job is to protect that majority. And after the election, if you know now, no matter how it shakes out, if you want to think about uh, running for state office, if you want to run for president, if you want to go ahead but until then your number one job has to be protecting the members of your party and it sounds like they don't trust uh, maloney to do that anymore so it's really fascinating really enjoyable and all i can say greg is uh pass the popcorn what a shame what a shame that there's so much infighting. <laughs> you hate to see it you know public infighting on legislation public infighting on campaign strategy why can't the election be tomorrow Anyway, uh, we'll see. We'll see how things go as time goes on. A lot of time between now and November, but uh, man, uh, all the all the fundamentals just keep looking better and better for Republicans. So hopefully they don't blow it between now and November. But if you don't want to blow it when it comes to your gift uh, this holiday season, and you are kind of running out of time, it's what December seventeenth. You got eight days till Christmas. But you know, if this particular gift uh, gets there any time around Christmas. Everyone's going to love you for it. It's the Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. Everyone who likes steaks and burgers and franks and chicken and the delicious sides is going to absolutely be thrilled to get an Omaha Steaks package from you. And right now, you can get an Omaha Steaks perfect gift package. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter Martini into the search bar, and save 50% when you order, again, the perfect gift package today. For just $99.99, you'll get the six-ounce butcher's cut top sirloins, 
chicken breasts, jumbo franks, sides, desserts, and so much more. And when you used our code MARTINI, you'll not only save over 50%, but you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers for free. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship right away. Avoid the holiday uh, shipping hustle and bustle, although you're cutting it pretty close right now. But remember, you'll get 50% off and eight free burgers. I absolutely love the burgers. I love the steaks. I love the chicken. You can't go wrong with Omaha Steaks. OmahaSteaks.com, keyword martini, in the search bar, uh, OmahaSteaks.com, keyword martini. All right, Jim, on to our bad slash crazy martini now. And this one comes to us from Robert Augustinelli, who is a friend of ours here at Radio America and the American Veterans Center. And he's a member of the board for the National Review Institute. So he's kind of in both of our worlds, former chairman of NRI, in fact. And he shares a story that's really disturbing. You link to it in the Morning Jolt today if folks uh, want to check it out for themselves. And he is a graduate, a 1972 graduate from the Aquinas Institute in Rochester, New York. Uh, He was actually even mentored by the famous Bishop Fulton Sheen, if uh, folks remember that name from a number of decades ago. So he and his wife went back to campus. They were uh, asked to come back a number of times. Mr. Gustinelli has done very well for himself in the business world, so the Institute is looking uh, uh, to him as a potential donor. So he says, fine, I'll go back. And he says uh, he was given the chance to uh, speak with his wife to the juniors and seniors at the Institute. And he thought the presentation went great. He says, my wife and I had offered to share our life experiences, and this we did. It is fair to say that the talks uh, through which we sought to reassert our ancient truths, which he learned at the Institute back then, to inspire students, to understand them, to show the implications to them personally as a matter of self-interest, and to remind them of their right to the pursuit of happiness in a time when political correctness, Black Lives Matter orthodoxy, and woke ideology are determined to indoctrinate them, enthralled the attendees. Most but not all. So he was supposed to be honored at a football game uh, while he was on this visit. Then he got a uh, cryptic email from the administrator of the school saying, actually, it's not going to work out. Sorry about that. And then he got tipped off that uh, the whole Aquinas Institute family had gotten an email from the administration saying, "Uh, today we had on campus an alumnus and his wife who wanted to share with our students the secrets of their success in their business careers. They spoke to members of our junior and senior classes. Unexpectedly, both speakers shared some of their personal beliefs. We have heard from several students and parents that they were offended. Please know that this was not the intended purpose of today's presentation. These personal opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by our guests do not reflect the opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints of the Aquinas Institute. And it goes on to say that the counseling was going to be available for anyone who was offended by it. Uh, He says, you know, Aquinas Institute, which is supposedly rooted in Catholic teaching, which he thought he was expressing in those uh, comments to the students for how they really helped him become a success in life. He says, Aquinas is not what it used to be. Ideology is the rage manifested in the indoctrination of preteen children in what are no less than creepy, sadistic notions of life and in the massaging, intimidating, and cowing of students to heal to the doctrines of Black Lives Matter, a Marxist organization dedicated to its own public declaration. So, Jim, this is not unique to the Aquinas Institute. It cuts a little bit closer to home because we know Robert, but um, this is happening over and over, and, and people are finding out that they're spending a lot of good money to send their kids to places where they think they're avoiding the indoctrination. Turns out they're getting it anyway. You know, Greg, when I first saw the headline on this, and he talks about, you know, the old cliche, you can't go home again. The, the reason it's an old cliche is not that where you were, your home, whether it's your you know physical home or your old hometown or your old school, 
it's not that it changed, it's that you've changed, is usually the, the lesson of that, of that bromide, that old saying. In this case, though, I, I, I was like, no, you, you got to read this. Somebody told me. I was like, okay, so I really read through it, and it really is heartbreaking. And I urge everybody take the time to go through it to get the the depth of it. I guess I think the term, the term heartbreaking because you know, it's, it might make some people really angry. I think it's shocking. I think it's, it's very deeply saddening. But I think one of the things that comes across is how much Robert Augustinelli loves his old high school. Love, you know, he, he wouldn't go back and do this if he didn't care about the place. Maybe he had a I was like, I do not intend. I went to a public high school. I don't intend to go back and talk to them. They haven't invited me. I don't think they're going to invite me. But you know, you, there's this love for the institution and the formulation and how much he wanted. He wanted to have a good, strong, loving relationship with this school. They love his money. I think that, I don't think they're ever going to turn that down. But uh, certainly seems like the institution does not want to have any much time of a real reaction to interaction with him. And I think what this illustrates vividly and painfully is how much wokeism reduces a human being simply to their ideology. If you get a chance to hear Robert Augustinelli talk about anything, pay attention, right? Uh, it's not just that he's an exceptionally wealthy man and he's you know, by just about every measurement, at least that we know of, he's a man in full. He's lived a good life. There's probably words of wisdom he can drop on you there. So let's say he comes along and he mentions things about politics you don't agree with. Okay, that's going to happen in life. That's going to happen all throughout life. There's very few times you're going to run into somebody and you go down the checklist of the entire party platform and they agree with every aspect of life that you agree with. But you know what? Maybe somebody like Robert Augustinelli can teach you something about business. Or maybe he can teach you lessons of life that he's accumulated over the years. Or maybe talk about faith or things about his family and marriage and all kinds of things. Like there's a whole, chances are almost every human being on earth can teach you something about something. There are very few people in this world who have nothing useful to say. Yeah, it seems like we run into idiots all the time. I get that. I make fun of people a lot of times. I can be very cynical, but you really look at people. Chances are they're good at something. And chances are they've learned something or they have some sort of story about their life and what they've done that you can get something out of. And the inability to accept that. The, the difference is the, you know, what, what comes across in the reaction of the school and the reaction of at least some of the students is one of contempt. And I think it was, uh, it wasn't David Brooks, it was Arthur Brooks. It was the good Brooks, you might say, <laughs> um, who said that uh, the, the, the hallmark of this current political era is not hate. Republicans and Poli Democrats have always, if not hated each other, felt very strongly about each other. They've always disagreed vehemently, passionately, angrily. But I think what really strikes out, and, and Arthur Brooks used this term as contempt, right? It's not merely, oh, I think you're completely wrong about that, or, oh, I think you're really an idiot. How could you possibly believe that? Contempt is when I see nothing of value in you, right? It's not a matter of like, well, we disagree on politics, but I think you're a good person. I think you're a good parent. I think you're a hard worker. I think you, um, I think you try to help your community, even if I disagree. They can't find any, any other aspect of you that is worth appreciating, even if there's a political uh, disagreement. Wokeism says the moment you hear something from that guest speaker, that you disagree with. You have your experienced verbal violence, as they say, as if verbal violence wasn't a, a contradiction in terms. You, you've, you've been, you, know, you need a safe space, snowflake. Uh, you need some, you, you can't, you know, something you've been harmed because you've been exposed to some idea that you disagree with. Guess what? That's part of life. Part of your ability as a young person growing into an adult is the ability to interact with people where you don't agree with everything. Because guess what? It's going to happen until every day, till the day you die. But that's apparently like not only you know it's an institution like if it was a public school you'd roll your eyes and go ah public schools 
But if this one, the, Aqu- the Aquinas Institute, really? This one? That's, you know, it's mind boggling. It's horrifying. It's heartbreaking. And I'm hoping that this op-ed and his experience will spur some serious discussion at the Aquinas Institute of how things should work out, how they should be operating, how they should be treating their guest speakers, what kind of messages are appropriate for the kids and what they're, you know, what the kids are being taught about being exposed to ideas they disagree with. I'm not holding my breath, but hopefully this spurs some uh, some changes there, Fred. Yeah, one of the other things that really stood out is it seemed like the faculty and staff members perhaps were even more offended than the students, which begs the question, how do people who disagree so vehemently with the fundamental tenets of the school, which is rooted in the Catholic faith, how do they work there? Why do they want to work there? And how do we have administrators that cater to them, what seems like the vast minority of, uh, of people in reaction to this uh, address by Robert and his wife, as opposed, and that's what they have to react to, rather than the overwhelming, it would seem, uh, from the reaction in the room, as well as other parents that he's heard from, that they uh, liked it very much. Since, you know, one of the weirdest things about the left is that the, uh, the very tiny minority somehow gets to call all the shots here. It makes no sense. They're completely comfortable with the tiny minority calling the shots as long as they're the tiny minority that's calling the shots. <laughs> or writing the checks, uh, as it mm-hmm. might be. But uh, anyway, uh, good for Robert for sharing that story. And uh, and hopefully uh, it's a lesson and a warning to to others because uh, peeling this back is, is difficult to do. Although he does say at the end he remains an optimist. There's a brewing desire to take back our destiny and our institutions because they are that. They are ours. This is not a project of the elites, but of the grassroots of the people, not faint of heart. Uh, So uh, I think we've seen this in other parts of the country this year where people, public schools, private schools, whatever, they finally find out what's going on. They get fed up and they do something about it. So uh, hopefully this is part of that movement. And Jim, on uh, that sobering note, usually we like to head into the weekend on something uh, really, really fun. But that was an important thing to discuss today. So uh, have a great weekend and we'll be back in action on Monday. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks very much for being with us today. Please do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. We're always very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend, and please join us again on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, this is Greg Corumbus, and I'm here with Dr. Mike Fulgens. He's the president of Universal Coin and Bullion. Mike was recently named the 2021 Dealer of the Year by the American Numismatic Association. Mike, given all the uh, economic uncertainty right now, what's your forecast for gold and silver in the months ahead? I think people should immediately get gold and silver in their portfolio now. And if they have it, increase the percentages by 5 to 10%. The World Gold Council recommends a 10 to 20% portion of your portfolio be in gold. It's life insurance for the rest of your portfolio. And I predict gold and silver to be up 10 to 30% by 2022 due to inflation, the increasing debt, and other factors of uncertainty. And uncertainty drives gold and silver. If you think we're going to have more uncertainty over the next year, buy gold and silver. It's going up, in my opinion. Dr. Mike Fulgens is recognized as America's gold expert by the U.S. government. Contact Mike and his team of professionals at Universal Coin and Bullion to own your gold and silver coins now. Call 1-800-UCB-GOLD.